If you'd like to contact the show, send us an email at liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com or follow us on any of our social media accounts on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Live on Four Legs Podcast and on Twitter at Live on Four Legs Pod. And away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring Mr. Stone Gossett. Fucking camera in the truck. Hey everybody now, welcome to Live on Four Legs, the definitive live Pearl Jam podcast. And guess what? You guys forced us into this. We have a part two of the fan mail stories that we released on Tuesday because you guys sent so many stories into us that we couldn't get it all in in one episode. So here we are right now. We are going to tell the rest of them. So your host today, Randy Sobel over here, John Farrar over there. We're back. Hey, everybody. We are back, yes. And uh, let's just get right to it because at this time, you know the deal. This is our last Wrigley-related episode of the month, and we've been doing them all month. If you haven't listened to any of them, you are crazy because they're all fantastic. We had so many great guests on from Dr. John Evans to Stephen Hyden to Jonathan Cohen and Rob Bleestein and Bob Krause, and we've covered every single show that they played at Wrigley 2013, 2016 both nights, and 2018 both nights. So if you have great memories and great experiences from those shows, go and listen to those episodes. They're all fantastic. I think we hit the nail on the head with just about everything that we can imagine. So, uh, again, we got more stories right here and we're just, we're just going to blast right through them. And, and, uh, if you weren't on the first episode, if your story wasn't told, it's getting told in this one. So John, why don't we kick it off? Let's do that. Yeah, let's get to it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Our first story is from John Hamilton, and uh, John is actually, he was a part of the first ever fantasy league that I started. That was kind of the precursor to the podcast. So we did, I I had started two fantasy leagues for the 2018 tour, and, you know, we, we did you know, we pick songs and uh, based it off of points and things like that. You know, same same way that you work a fantasy football, fantasy baseball, whatever sport league. And uh, John took part in that, so uh, glad that he's been able to keep in touch and communicate with us after this and write into us with our first story in this show. Uh, this is John talking about the last of the Wrigley shows, the rain out in 2018. This was my fifth Wrigley show. The night before, I had seen Pearl Jam with three of my best friends since middle school. All of us are in our mid-40s now, for the first time ever. We had four GA seats. It would be hard to top that, especially with a rain delay and waiting and waiting and waiting. I felt like we had said the same thing in the last episode. It was packed and stuffy waiting. And then Ed comes out and screams and thanks the crowd and goes right into giving a fly. No slow shit here, just straight rocking. The rain starts coming down during giving a fly, so by that time, why go and go or playing? It's pouring. I took off my rain hood and allowed myself to get soaked. The guitar screaming, the rain streaming, the crowd yelling, fuck! I get goosebumps thinking back to it. The last exit, Minor Matters, do the evolution. Oh, the band was not fucking around. They were there to rip our faces off with rock and roll music. Immortality shook my soul. I cried when Eddie said it was going to be okay during Daughter. The crowd near me was awesome. We shared joints. We gave each other high fives. We were the one with the band. It was just one of those Pearl Jam experiences you have never, ever forgotten. Thanks, John. Awesome way to kick off 
this episode and uh most of most of these stories that we're starting with are 2018 stories and then uh some of them towards uh the middle and the end are going to be from all of the show's experiences yeah thanks john uh so next up we've got joey Goodsir. Uh, you might remember that name. He's He's been on a couple of the things that we've done, some settlers drafts and some forums, things like that. He says, since the beginning, Live on Four Legs has always been about sharing and collecting the variety of memories, identities, and opinions surrounding Pearl Jam's live experience. And part of that has always been collecting the stories of listeners to learn more about who they are as Pearl Jam concert goers. Uh, I see that little throwback there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not a lot of people are get that. <laughs> unfortunately due to both my age biologically and as a fanatic i've been unable to participate in this melting pot of voices from the strangest tribe however i have been anxiously awaiting for that special time in which i can contribute and with you guys covering the wrigley shows the time has come when i can share my one and only in-person pearl jam live experience as i've probably explained before and it's interesting to reflect on this as a graduating high school senior. I first heard Alive, which then ignited my Pearl Jam fandom during the second half of my freshman year. 2017 was one of the most dead periods in the band's history. Outside of a few little projects and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction, not much was going on, and my thirst for some brand new live shows grew very intense very quickly. When the Home and Away Shows tour was announced, my excitement was through the roof for the whole experience. Of course, however, I was most eager for those two August shows at one of the most beautiful buildings on earth. Not only would at least one of those dates be my first Pearl Jam show, but the build-up to the band's return to the friendly confines was immense for me. The Cubs had just done the impossible and won the World Series, the resulting Let's Play 2 documentary was a hit, and my love of the band was growing exponentially as the dates got closer. These shows were going to be Eddie's homecoming of the ages, and my love of the band came through him in Chicago to such a degree such a degree that the stars had aligned perfectly for this to be my live introduction to Pearl Jam. The second night of the run soon became the show for me, and I anxiously awaited for the big day's arrival. The entire 2018 tour consisted of me watching fan live streams, armed with a sharpie and blank sheet of paper to fill out my own personal set list as each show played out that summer. Once the band finally got into town, I nervously watched night one and hoped they wouldn't play anything I'd be too upset to miss. The next morning, I found myself in line outside of the merch tent on Waveland Avenue trying to get my hands on the Steve Thomas L-Train poster that was the most popular item for the weekend. I got one. When the day of the show came, weather concerns were on the forefront of everyone's minds. I wouldn't have dared to admit it then, but to be honest, the thought of a rain delay show at Wrigley had been the story of legend for me for a very long time, 2013, and I wouldn't have minded Mother Nature provoking another legendary concert. Ooh, careful what you ask for. My risky wishes soon came true as shortly after we found our seats in center field and going on the field was a huge moment for me for many reasons. Ed's security guy came out to announce what many of us knew were imminent and the waiting in the concourse began. Even considering the prior experience that many fans had in this situation, the very same venue no less, it was hard not to be at least a little bit nervous while we waited. Luckily, my expectations and hopes were not high. I was embracing the fact that my first show is, is my only show in which every song is new for me. What prevailed, however, was the amazing nature and kind spirit of the Pearl Jam faithful. I don't think there are many other fan bases that would have handled that kind of adversity with as much grace. Soon we were back outside and the band hit the stage. It was happening. Here are my personal show highlights. The unique given to fly into Waiga opening with Ed in his swim trunks and the absolutely pouring rain. The unique rain cover you don't get every day. I'm a huge Beatles fan, so that was nice. You is a vastly underrated lost dog. I agree. Waving to all my friends during In My Tree. Slow slash fast patriot. Perhaps one of my all-time favorite political songs at this point. I'm going to Wrigley Murphy's after Lucan. Change lyrics during We're Gonna Be Friends. Come back in honor of Stan Makita with the phone lights, Chris Chelios, and the World Series trophy. The late use of corduroy, which should be done more often. Black, this is definitely an all-timer for me, so getting it at my first concert was big. Rearview Mirror, I get why it's such a live favorite now. Smile, I played this version on my Pearl Jam Radio wish list as it personally represents my love for the Pearl Jam fan community. I helped get this song played for Andrew Taylor from North Carolina, who wanted it to be played for his dad who had been diagnosed with ALS. Evil Little Goat, wow, I loved it and I selfishly hope it never gets played again. 
I also loved Ed's Who the Fuck is Theo Epstein shirt, being a big Stones fan as well. Leash, whoa. I jumped about 10 feet in the air when they kicked into this. I had no expectation that I would get such a request on my first show. Alive, my favorite song is release, and I thought that would be the song to bring me to tears, but it didn't get played. I had no expectation it would be this one, but I guess my realization that this piece of art was where it all started was enough for me. Bob O'Reilly was pure fun, especially because it's a super important song between myself and the friend I brought. Overall, this lived up to my desires for it to be a truly legendary night. There were some personal essentials that I didn't get, release, better man, yellow lead better, but that was easily made up for with the more unique moments, leash, evil little goat, and smile. This isn't going to be regarded as an all-time show at all, but it seemed like it somehow grew to be the perfect first one for me. At the end of the day, the reason why you guys are covering these shows is the venue in which they were played, and I should acknowledge this by sharing my two cents being from the Chicago area myself. You guys have been personally touched by venues and have covered many legendary ones numerous times, MSG and such. And this venue undoubtedly stands up there with all of them. The crazy and unique difference, however, is that Wrigley Field is somehow that legendary place that is simultaneously a humble home of an old friend. From living the first couple of years of my life only eight blocks down Sheffield Avenue and right across the street from the infamous Vic Theater, to watching my favorite baseball team my whole life, to seeing my favorite band of all time for the first time, it's always just there as an approachable home to an extraordinary amount of unique memories. Sure, this growing Pearl Jam fan is kind of in the mood for some arena shows, but at the end of the day, Wrigley Field will never stop being an endlessly special place, and I will never take a day in that paradise for granted. Well said, Joey. Thank you. Yeah. Incredibly, incredibly bright, intelligent kid. Uh, by the way, that that's the future of Pearl Jam fans right there. I, I always call him the future of uh, of Pearl Jam fans, the people that'll that'll keep this alive 40 years after we all croak. So uh, it, we we have good people uh, in our hands. We have this band. This band is in good hands, you people. So. Uh, all right. Next story is from Patricia Walker. So where to begin? August 20th, 2018, night two of the Chicago show was definitely a night I will never forget. This was the first time seeing Pearl Jam for my husband and I. We had seen Ed on a solo tour a few years before and couldn't wait to see the whole band together on stage. The entire event was filled with anticipation from the time the tour was just a rumor of what might be and then the excitement from the 10 Club Lottery. I could barely stand it. Then it was confirmed. I purchased two tickets to what I considered one of the best concerts of my life. Now, this was in January and February of that year, so I had a good six to seven months of pre-concert buildup. Probably the worst thing in the world. It's awful. Uh, Also, during this time, I was finishing nursing school, so definitely needed some positive motivation at the time. Then the day arrived, and we made the six-hour drive that morning as I was all decked out in my Pearl Jam Cubs attire. We get to Chicago, and I was in complete awe. I was going to see Pearl Jam at Wrigley Field. As me and my husband are out seeing the sights the beautiful city has to offer, we get a call from our teenage children who were on their way home from school and were in an accident. I was frantic. We were 600 miles away from home and I completely unable to do anything about the situation. The good news is no one was hurt and the in-laws were able to be on the scene with them. I felt like garbage and was in tears ready to forget everything and turn around and go home. But my husband calmed me down and assured me that everything was going to be fine, and we decided to stay. That's got to be really, really difficult to go through. Yeah. 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 Um, I understand the challenge in that. Uh, Finally, after all the madness in the afternoon had to offer, we make our way to Wrigley Field, and there was a sign on the venue confirming what I had waited to see for so long that said Pearl Jam right on the marquee. But there were more hiccups to come from getting into the stadium to the weather delay and a few stress-induced disagreements with the husband. We finally made our way back to our seats, and I remember sitting there feeling exhausted and almost defeated. I did not think the weather was ever going to let up, neither alone nor the concert, to go on with the amount of wind and lightning as I sat there and began to tear up and was honestly going to throw in the towel and make my way back home. But the most amazing sound came from that night as Eddie Vedder came out in his evil Knievel jacket and sang Given a Fly. I began to tear up once again, but these were happy tears, and I think I cried throughout the entire song. But yes, this was by far the most emotionally intense and best night of my life. So much. 
there's so much going on there. That's like, I mean, your kids are, you know, unfortunately in a situation that you have no, you know, you're, you're going to get home in six hours. You want to get to them so quick, but you also have this thing that you've been waiting so long. So it's sort of a moral dilemma a little bit, you know? Yeah, definitely. Like, and then the whole thing with the kids being in the accident, like, yeah, I can't even imagine. Yeah. So, you know, I'm glad you got through it and glad the kids are okay. And the in-laws were able to deal with it and everything seemed to work out. But, uh, thank you for writing in Patricia. Yeah. Thank you. Um, uh, next up we've got Brent Mathern says, uh, my wife and I went to night one in 2018, best Pearl Jam experience I ever had and will probably never be topped. We managed to get two GA tickets for the show and flew from New Orleans the Friday before the show. We were actually on the same flight as Steve Gleason. Knowing that Saturday was going to be a long day, we settled in early Friday night. On Saturday, we woke up early and headed to the Wrigley area. It was actually my first time ever in Chicago. I was able to convince my wife a few weeks prior that we should get in the GA line as early as possible Saturday morning. I figured, since we have GA, let's do this the right way. We left our hotel and made it to the line about 8.30 a.m., only eight or nine more hours to go. We were roughly a block and a half away from the front of the line, maybe 200 people. My wife was a real trooper that day. Besides the actual show, I have really great memories of the line experience. Getting to meet different people from across the country who all have one common interest was really something special. Getting in the stadium was a bit of a shit show. From line jumpers to security to the gate queue, it got a bit hectic. My wife's wristband somehow came off after a security check. Thankfully, she noticed it on the early side and was able to swiftly go get a new one. Once again, she was the MVP that day. We secured our spot in front of Ed about four or five people deep. I was absolutely losing my mind knowing what was about to happen. This is by far the closest I've been for a Pearl Jam show. I was absolutely losing my mind knowing what was about to happen. This is by far the closest I've been for a Pearl Jam show. The set was fantastic in my opinion, especially the early stages. Opening with Wash completely set the stage. I actually wished for Wash to open and told someone in line hours before. That same person was actually next to us for the show. Hearing Hail Hail and Animal back to back was sweet. My wife's favorite song is Hail Hail, and of course I love it too. Garden will always be memorable for me. It was my first time seeing it live. The most memorable part of the set was Eddie getting so close to us for Porch. So close! All in all, an absolutely great day and night. One I'll never forget and one I often think about on a regular basis. Thanks, Brent. Thank you very much. Great stuff. Absolutely. All right. Next story comes to us from Clay Davis, who is one of our patrons and uh, good pals that we've been able to communicate with over the last couple months. So uh, uh, thank you to Clay and anybody that wants to join our Patreon, patreon.com slash live on four legs. Got great stuff going on there as usual. So uh, Clay starts out by saying this is... There were obviously many moments during this show, as there are with every single show, so I wanted to share a few items that have stuck with me much longer, which all center around the fans and the global community of friends that attend these concerts. Number one, Strangers. The Pearl Jam circus that invaded Wrigley matched the intensity of a 1998 or 2003 campout, pre-party craziness, but in a much more relaxed way. The people you meet from all over the continent, or the world, is humbling. The sharing of stories and the general acceptance and acknowledgement of other people's views, even different than yours, is so uplifting. This ideology is needed now more than ever in this divisive time that we live in. Whether it was sharing drinks at one of the bars or the wishlist parties with strangers or chatting up your newly met survival buddy in the poster line, just because he is the person next to you, it is as much fun as the show itself. The chit-chat about the band and the common interest works in the way a great opening act does to build the excitement for the main band, but only better. Number two, friends. I talked with connecting with strangers above, but what about the memorable moments with friends? Well, that highlight for me was the roundtable session and a quiet section of Murphy's on the Sunday night in between shows. This roundtable was for the Single Podcast Theory Podcast with my good friends, the Brads, as well as Kate, Danny, his wife, and Bob. 
Now, to make no mistake, these people were were strangers. Never met them before in my life. But because of the great way that the podcast and social media can connect us as human beings, and the fact that Pearl Jam fans have a deeper connection, we said hi and rolled into the stories like old high school buddies separated by time, distance, and life. Just like you can with old friends, you can jump into old conversations like you just had them. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting going back because uh, I, I do remember the, that time on Single Podcast Theory, and uh, you know they were starting they were starting to get popular at the at these Wrigley shows, and they met a lot of people. And I, I will I will say that they were gracious enough at the time uh, to give us a little bit of a plug because we actually started our social media page the same day as Night Two of Wrigley. So, uh, uh, Brad B was, was very nice and, and shared, uh, a link to our page that day. So, uh, very cool. So, all right, moving on. Um, number three, pulling people together in times of trouble. When the storm began to roll up in fear of cancellation became very, very palpable. The fans were evacuated less than 30 minutes from start time, but actually the storm didn't hit until about 60 minutes after that. Knowing we were going to have to outlast a storm that we didn't know how long would last already 60 minutes into what should have been showtime created an anxiety in the horde that was unimaginable. That said, even though people were crowded in old hallways that were not designed to act as shelter for herds of humans and the mixture of heat and exhaustion and being soaked, it didn't change the sense of community amongst the fans. It did, in fact, heighten the caring for your neighborhood mentality further. And, uh, yeah, that, 100% right. The shell of, of Wrigley Field there in, inside, it, it cannot contain that many people. So uh, I don't know how they did it in 2013. And I don't know how they did it in 2018, but it got done. So here's a couple of bullet points that he had. The sea would part for people trying to make their way to a restroom comfortably. People would pass beers, food, money down the line the way a group of firefighters pass sandbags to stop flooding waters. I'm not a smoker, but the crowd would even help a person get a quick puff in by shielding them from security who wanted to eject them. The underlying theme was people looked after other people in times of uncertainty, and we all need a little bit of that, especially right now. That's my memory of Wrigley people, people making real connections with others. Oh yeah, and because of a shared love of a band that has given us so much. Awesome. Thank you very yeah, much, Clay. Clay. Great. Yeah, great stuff. Yeah, Clay it's a good point. Canadia. Like, yeah, it's a good point. Like we've talked about this like so much with it's it's about the music and it's about the set list and it's about the performance, but mostly it's about the people. You know, that's what you that's what you really remember is the friendships and the people around you and the people you meet in line. And it's that that's part of the whole experience. And, that, you know, that's why we're doing this, to give people a sense of the the whole the whole weekend. Yeah, it's absolutely special. And I think what uh, what's tough for everybody is that not everybody is surrounded in their regular neighborhoods by these Pearl Jam fans. It's just impossible to do that. It's not like you live, you know, you, you live down in Atlanta and you can probably go to all your neighbors and they're all UGA fans. They're all Georgia fans. I'm sure that that's part of that community, but it just doesn't happen with a band like that, especially that it's a 90s band and, you know, people aren't that fanatic, you know, across the country. But yeah, to go to, to, go to shows, you do get a sense of community that's really unmatched and people be because they don't have that in their normal lives they're they're absolutely dying for it so yeah good stuff from clay yeah oh look who we have here it's uh <laughs> dr john evans well we who, don't know uh, if he's a doctor but he is a john evans oh it's not the same guy it is not the same guy no <laughs> okay it is just it is another john evans it is just happenstance okay, interesting uh we'll, we'll, you know john evans would thank you for sending in your story as well he says, uh, every time I see a Pearl Jam show, it's like a religious experience to me. I don't know if it's because of all the great fans that you get to hang out with or the music or just the overall great time. It's probably all of it. I think what I remember the most from a couple years ago, and that's still stuck with me, is just the relationship you get with the people that you sit next to that you've never met before. Whether it's you're making new friends with people from another country or just the overall chorus of you singing together with the band. I miss that they weren't able to tour this year, but I understand totally why we need to do what we need to do. Yeah, absolutely, John. That's That just piggybacks off of what we were just talking about. That's For great. For sure. Absolutely. All right. Uh, Linda. This is from Linda Jones. 
saw all five shows. In 2013, she stayed downtown at the W. We didn't have tickets for the pre-party before, but met a great fellow Canadian who had tickets. We hung out with him and another couple from the Dakotas. Planned to meet back at the W for drinks at the bar. Because of the rain delay and the bar was closed, we never saw them again. Love Chicago and the band. Lots of great memories. Lots of great people. Seemed everyone in Wrigleyville was going to the concerts, and it was special nights. Absolutely well said. Short but sweet. Yeah, thank you, Linda. So now we've got uh, Matt Schulfer. I think we're going to get into the part where we uh, we have some people who were at all the shows, right? Yeah, this is this is. I think this starts it. Yeah, and uh, okay. I will I will say Matt Matt is one of our patrons. So shout out to Matt for that. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. He says uh, I was at the Wrigley 2013 show and both 2016 shows. I wasn't able to make it to the 2018 shows because I went to both Seattle shows that year and the Missoula show. The pocketbook couldn't handle it, and the kids just couldn't live without their parents any longer. Damn, the life choices this band makes you consider. Okay, my backstory. I was born in Hammond, Indiana. Wait, how long is this going to be, Matt? <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, it's, it's in the northwest corner of Indiana, which is a suburb of Chicago. My parents moved to Portland, Oregon when I was three. I've always felt a connection to Chicago because my extended family lived there and still does. And my parents took me back there every five years or so. I literally watched the Cubs on WGN every day of the summer from 1987 to 1990 when I was in middle school. In 1991, my sophomore year in high school, a friend told me that I had to listen to a song. He played me Jeremy. We were both into the rap scene, so it was a shock to my ears and my system. I'd never heard anything like it. I was mesmerized and hooked all at the same time. From that moment, Pearl Jam was my favorite band. Fast forward to 2002. My first son is born. My wife and I name him Sabin Wrigley. As I said, I'm a huge Cubs fan. Then fast forward to 2007 and my second son is born. We name him Vetter. We're huge Pearl Jam fans too. So I have one son named after Wrigley Field and the Cubs and one son named after Eddie Vetter. I'm a huge dork, but I'm passionate about what I love, the Cubs and Pearl Jam. The 2013 Wrigley show was a show that I had to be at. I missed out on 10 club tickets and also missed out on the regular on sale tickets. I had to go through the secondary market, but I was willing to spend whatever necessary. I literally spent five plus hours a a day online looking for tickets, but the prices never dropped. I ended up pulling the trigger on 450 a piece for tickets. The most I've ever spent. That is a lot. Yeah, it is. It is worth it. You got to be there. You got to be there. Yeah, of course. He says, uh, I'd never felt so much anticipation for a show. We got to Wrigleyville about 1, 2 p.m. and hung out. Stood in line for a couple of hours for merch, met great people, and talked about Pearl Jam and music in general. We took turns going into Murphy's for beers. They opened with release, and I cried like a baby. Eddie started talking about, we're all a team, and we're going to get through this together, and then they cleared the place for the lightning storm. We spent the delay in the Wrigley tunnels walking and talking to people, along with just sitting against the walls. It was a great but frustrating experience. We all thought the show, that the show was going to be canceled, but all the workers kept saying, we wouldn't still be here if they weren't going to play again. That gave us hope. But fuck, that three-hour delay took a huge toll on my energy. We finally went back and we finally went back out and rocked out. I honestly don't remember much about specific songs, but remember struggling to stay awake. It was such a long day. Then leaving was an absolute fucking mess. The line for the L was ridiculous. My wife and I just started walking. Then our phones died. We finally found a 24-hour Walmart and unplugged their copy machine to plug in a phone. We then discovered Uber for the first time and got an Uber back to my cousin's place. It was about 6 a.m. by the time we finally got back to our beds. Ooh, another story about the after show. What a fucking 24-hour experience. It was nuts and great and at the same time a little disappointing because that show could have been so much better than it was without the weather delay. Moving on to 2016. We planned a road trip with our kids, Saban Wrigley and Vetter, for the 2016 shows. We drove from Portland to Chicago in a week and a half. We stopped and camped in the Grand Tetons. We then camped in the Black Hills and went to Mount Rushmore. Then we went to Minneapolis and went to a Twins game. Then to the Wisconsin Dells for a few days and played at the water parks. Then to Chicago. We stayed at my grandpa's house and we took the boys to a Cubs game. And Chris Bryant went 5 for 5 with two home runs and a double. That's That's what he remembers, of course. course. Yeah. Uh, Two days later, we were back at Wrigley. We had seats at the top of the right field upper deck. My wife and I rocked out and chatted with those around us. My favorite memory is when they played Unthought No. We absolutely loved this song and we're jamming. This guy across the aisle starts going nuts dancing. 
While dancing, he tells us that he's never heard this song before, but it's obviously their best song. <laughs> Who knows? He loved it. We loved it. It was so perfect. Night two, we had GA. Wow, what a fucking experience. The slow burn opening, then Better Man, Corduroy, State of Love and Trust, Why Go, Animal, Given to Fly. I've never had a section of songs hit harder than that, and that's not revisionist history. I remember looking at my wife and saying, that's the best six song run I've ever heard. And then you went into Mortality, and then Black, Red, Yellow with Dennis Rodman, and then Deep into Jeremy. Wow, what a run. Then during Lucan, we were very close to the guy who brought on, stop, 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 hey, mister, get your finger out of that woman's face. We watched that guy get taken out, but we were both amazed that they picked up right where they left off, right in the middle of Lucan. Fuck, that was impressive. The rest of the show was amazing, too. While funneling out through the right field exit, there was a log jam. Security stopped everyone from moving. We were all pissed and had no idea why we were stopped. A few seconds later, Dennis Rodman went running by. He was waving and smiling and happy, but definitely not stopping to talk or sign autographs. Then we all got to go again. The three shows I've seen at Wrigley all feel special. There's there's an energy from the band, especially Eddie, that is tangible. That's, thank you, Matt. Great yeah, story. Very true. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, these stories, I mean, they just keep getting better and better. And as, as we keep going on, these are just... I love reliving them because it feels like you can be there as uh, as we're talking about, it, and you f- it feels like you're you've been in the same situation still. Absolutely. All right, Let's keep it going. Yeah, we're going to tell a story from Kevin and Linda Crabtree. So this is from Kevin's perspective. My wife and Linda and I have been to all five Wrigley Pearl Jam shows to date. We have a few memorable and kind of unique moments to share. Tried not to be long-winded, but the band played every show especially well. Trying not to be biased because Chicago, but 2018 Night One was an all-time amazing set list. For us personally, the shows got really special by 2018, as you'll see and read. So let's start with 2013. Very special night. First Pearl Jam Wrigley show. Stayed through the two-hour rain delay, the show ending at 2 a.m. Walked a few miles back to our hotel because there were no taxis there that night, and it was a holiday for many taxi drivers. Show was worth every step. The wife and I hunkered down like so many people in the concourse while the thunderstorm passed. Got a few final beers before they cut off sales. When Eddie opened up the set after the storm with Ernie Banks on stage for All the Way, there were tears and smiles everywhere, at least from the Cubs faithful. Future Days was played for the first time live ever, and it hit us both. Found a few months later that I had cancer that was stage 2 cancer. Wasn't sure if this would be the last Pearl Jam show I'd see, but thankfully it wasn't, and I got past the cancer, got married in 2014 to Future Days. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Glad to see. Yeah, always happy to see that happen and, you know, persevere. That's that's what it's all about. Uh, 2016, night two from August 22nd. It was my wife Linda's 34th birthday, and it was one hell of a birthday bash. Eddie came to the right side of the stage, front of the rail for Crazy Mary, and poured his wine into our plastic Cubs cups. In honoring of in honor of the song, in pre-COVID days, we each took a sip of wine and passed it around to the other fans to share with the faithful. Take a bottle, drink it down, and pass it around. During the first encore break, I went to grab some drinks off to the side stage and met Dennis Rodman. I got to high-five him and thanked him for his awesome play during his Chicago Bulls tenure. Dennis Rodman gets uh, a lot of people meet Dennis Rodman during <laughs> these shows. Apparently. He's hard to miss. He's like six foot eight or something. Exactly, with all the piercings and all that, yep. And you never know what color hair he has, black, red, or yellow. So 2018, night one, got front rail. An otter, Tom Petty, who passed away in 2017, played Wrigley one year earlier. We brought brought a Tom Petty Damn the Torpedoes t-shirt, and I held it up at different times in the show. Eddie played a stunning version of I Won't Back Down with a guitar Tom personally had uh, gave him and told and Eddie told the story of how it was the first time he'd ever brought it out of the house. Later in the show, during breath, Eddie came to us and high fived our section of fans, including Linda and I. And I never and never broke a no- broke a note of the song as he sang and looked us dead in the eyes. We nearly lost it. We knew he was sharing a Tom Petty moment with us. And if that wasn't good enough, during Not For You, Linda and I were on the big screen for a good 5 to 10 seconds singing the Modern Girl Coda. Awesome. That's always fun. 
Also, we got a few picks thrown in, out in our direction from Mike. It was a dream night. That's awesome stuff. Good, good stuff to you know just uh, you know live this experience with uh, as a happy couple that loves Pearl Jam. I know a lot of people out there uh, that probably wish you know if 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 you're single, they probably wish that ah how can I meet a Pearl Jam fan? Um, I don't have the answer to that, but I'm sure there are Pearl Jam singles pages out there. So. I guess keep your eye out, but uh, yeah, uh, it's just it's nice to see uh, a husband and wife share such a a bond like this. It is nice to see that. Yeah, definitely, and that brought back a memory too because you know they talked about Ed, you know, singing right into them, looking in the eyes, like having experienced that myself. Yeah, you never forget that. Mm, I've, I've been lucky to have that once or twice, and it is it's a special moment. And it, yeah, it's if you ever get the chance, I highly recommend it. Absolutely. All right. So uh, next up, we've got uh, J.D. Deering. He says, uh, my wife and I went in 2016, and it was amazing. My 10th show, her second. The set list was great. Uh, My sister was with us from Kansas City. We had an awesome time. My favorite, though, was 2018. My wife and I brought our 10-year-old son. We traveled from Iowa. He had never been to Wrigley Field or seen Pearl Jam. It was his first concert ever. Of course, he had a list he wanted to hear. Given to Fly was on that list. After a long rain delay, all the fans having to vacate the field and come back, our patience was paid off when Ed greeted us and led off with Given to Fly. Mason, my son, sang the whole concert and was forever changed. We were holding tickets to St. Louis this April. We were too. Uh, but another epic moment was singing and crying and dancing with my wife to come back, which was on both of our lists as we had not yet heard it live. Chris Chelios brought out Stan Makita's jersey and we sang our asses off. Absolute magic for our family. My youngest will join us next time as he is seven now. Oh yeah, that'll that'll be special. Yeah. Good job, Good job teaching your kids on that one. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Thanks, JD. I think uh I think JD actually was uh planning on meeting up with us in St. Louis or oh, nice. he bought a shirt from us or something like that. So uh Someday, if it's 2021 or if it's 2022, we'll all grab that beer together. So yep. hold on to that shirt, JD. We'll we'll get we'll, we'll meet you at some point. Absolutely. Uh, all right. This next one is from Daniel Kunka, uh, and he's going to share some amazing moments from all five Wrigley shows. 2013. My wife and I just had a baby in April, and this was one of our first big nights away from her. We were staying in my in-laws in the suburbs. I'm from Chicago, but currently live in Los Angeles. We had 10 club seats in the upper deck right behind home plate, so when the rains came, we were pretty well protected. The problem got to be as the hours dragged on, my wife was feeling uncomfortable. She was still breastfeeding at the time, and the extra hours started to become an issue. So just before the band came back, she had to pump in the Wrigley Field bathroom, that's not the nicest bathroom, and got back just as the band came on. A memorable night with the Lightning Bolt song debuts, but one of those shows that was more about the experience. We were also screwed because we had taken the train from the Burbs, and we knew that we would be stranded for a while, so my brother-in-law was a peach and drove to Wrigley, and so we waited right by the stadium, behind the police barricade to pick us up, right as the last notes ended. A long, strange night wrapped around a fantastic show. 2016. The Wrigley shows act as a nice reunion show for a lot of Pearl Jam followers, Night one, I met with people from Chicago, Virginia, Oklahoma, before the bars outside Wrigley, and we got pretty drunk. I was in the seats down the first baseline, so I wasn't concerned about getting there early. I may have imbibed a little bit too much too early, because the show was a bit of a blur, but I remember release after low light, which was a great surprise, and running back to my seats for corduroy in the encore after we went and bought merch for some reason. Go... Go and Surrender in Encore 2 capped off a great, if not very drunken night. Side note, it was a great music weekend in Chicago. In between night one and night two, I saw Wilco down downtown under the stars. Great stuff. Awesome. Love Wilco. Night two was epic. I was in the GA line with friends from Virginia at 6.30 a.m. We wound up spending the day with a bunch of new friends and wound up third row center. I remember just as we loaded in, I had to go to the bathroom very badly this is bad line management. Always, always, always go to the bad, uh, go to the bathroom before you load in. I wound up sneaking out and running on. I wound up sneaking out and running into Chicago White Sox first baseman and personal hero Paul Canerco under underneath Wrigley. What's Paul Canerco doing at Wrigley Field? He's on the other side of town. <laughs> 
I snapped a shaky picture, went to pee, and then got back to my spot with minimal problem. The show was one of my favorites out of 55, starting with Oceans into Footsteps, into Off He Goes, and then into the sing-along, then Corduroy melting our faces. There's something to be said for being in Ed's zone at these shows, right in his eyeline in the first five rows. He just brings the show right into your lap. Loved Black, Red, and Yellow, and Of the Earth, and the start and stop of Lucan. That dick was standing three feet to the side of me. But sometimes it's the hits that bring it home. Rearview mirror that close, right in front of the strobe lights, blew my mind. One of my top PJ Live moments. And then, unbelievably, Throw Your Arms Around Me. It was my first dance song in my wedding, off an Australian 2000 boot. Very nice. And the first time I had heard it at an actual show. Followed by Man of the Hour, closing the encore with Don't Give Me No Lips, Sonic Reducer, and Blood. I just remember being exhausted and exhilarated. Then there were still seven more to go, and anytime you got a song after Ledbetter, it is a great, great night. On to 2018. I love night one and the unpredictable set list, but this was a weekend all about night two. Was again in line with buddies at 6.30am. There was rain, we built shelters, we ordered food into line... We looked at weather forecasts on our phone for hours. We loaded in, and we were second row, dead center, and, and ecstatic. Then they made us load out. It was chaos. Luckily, we meandered a bit and stood right at the entrance to the right field stands. When they let us back in, we bolted as fast as we could right on the rail between Stone and Ed. I actually gave up my rail spot to somebody I knew was there from before and felt terrible that people who waited all day got booted from their spot. There were a few people that... I knew showed up to the stadium at 6 p.m., so not cool. Yeah, that's absolutely no. That, yeah. uh, that's atrocious when that has to happen. I, I get that you can't account for thousands of people being on the floor, but it, there should have been some plan in place to get all of the right people back to their, their spots. But regardless, the band came out and just crushed it. Go into last exit with a light rain falling, screaming my lugs out after one lo- after a long day of worrying is without a doubt my favorite Pearl Jam live moment. And I was at Moline, Greenville, Gorgio 5, Santa Barbara with Cornell, LA with Cornell, and all the San Diegos. And they didn't stop for two and a half hours. Loved you, In My Tree, Immortality, but again, it was the hits. Jeremy was amazing, and then it was a race to the finish with Evil Little Goat, Ed smashing his guitar, and an epic end to a night unlike any other. All great. I mean, just to be at all the shows, that's fantastic experience to have all that. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Thanks, Daniel. So, thanks again. He's another one. He uh, He's a good follower on, on, on Twitter, so thank you for uh, yeah. Yeah. for following and... and Get, uh, giving into our conversation there. All right, so we've only got a few left. I'm gonna I'm gonna read the next couple here. So the first sure. one comes from Dana Vokes. Uh, says we traveled from rural southwestern Ontario to Chicago for one of the many Pearl Jam shows, and we're sitting at a patio outside Wrigley Field. We decided to take a picture of the view from our table and proceeded to send it to our neighbors at home who were huge fans as well. We captioned the photo: "You should be here." Almost instantly, we received a reply asking us to order a beer for them, and they would be right there. (laughs) We had no idea that they would be in town for the show. We had a great laugh, and everyone around us thought it was hilarious that we all needed to travel to Chicago to visit with our neighbors. The four of us now have future plans to travel to as many shows as possible together now. Well, I mentioned before, yeah, I mentioned before that sometimes it's difficult to find fans within neighbors, but... (laughs) <laughs> they did they did and and you know that's great that that's awesome i i would love to have neighbors that aren't you know fox news lunatics and uh and our pearl jam fans so good good yeah, for you definitely. guys that's that's great yeah good for them i hope they're hanging out and being safe uh next up is uh chris davis he says hello fellow pearl jam dudes uh, this Chris is, Davis my is the with, Pearl Jam dude. That's yeah, that's, yeah. I've seen his name. I uh, says this is my history with Pearl Jam and Wrigley. In 2013, I was planning to go to Chicago without tickets to the show and just see what happens. Never made it there because I got into a bad motorcycle wreck and was laid up. I was very disappointed. Yeah, I'm glad you're okay. Yeah. 2016 night one. This would be the last show I went to with my now ex-wife. I wasn't able to go to night two because of work. I really enjoyed night one. But like you guys said, thought they played too many covers. I agree. 2018, this is the first time I ever went to concerts by myself. When I bought the tickets, I was going to take my kids with me, but they bailed on me. 
It felt weird for him, but it was good for me because it helped me heal from my divorce. Yeah, that's great to hear. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love night one, but there was something about night two that was memorable for me. They came out swinging. It was like getting hit with a rock and roll tsunami. Nice way to put that, Chris. He says, I'm sure they'll play Wrigley again, and I'll be there every time. Yeah. I hope so, Chris. Thanks for absolutely. writing in. Absolutely. And you know what? Going to shows by yourself isn't the worst thing in the world. Like, you know, you're around like-minded people, but you're also, you know, it's not like you invited a friend or, you know, in my in my instance that, that I was at a show with my brother, and I'm singing Faithful at, you know, the top of my lungs, and he looks at me, he's like, dude, why are you singing? I'm like, because I'm not a fucking Pearl Jam song and I show and I really like the song. Uh, so sometimes it's nice to have that and not worry about your brother or whoever looking at you like you have nine heads and should not be doing what you're doing. So, yeah, good stuff, always. Uh, next story comes from Kirk Walton. He is a recent patron, so thank you, Kirk, for uh, joining on the bandwagon. He's loving the Wrigley podcast, and he's glad he learned about Live on Four Legs. We do great work. I do a podcast for my job, so it's great to learn from others as well. So uh, just don't – I don't know what you're learning from us. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I didn't think we had anything to teach, but uh, teach its own. Uh, Wrigley Memories. It felt like 2013 was an event. It was like PJ20, but in a major city, a bigger venue, and one that clearly had a special place in the band's heart. For those of us pre-J fans that are also big sports fans, it was an extra added bonus. I'd argue for that for Pearl Jam fans that this was the one concert in their entire existence that was a must-go-to. I, I agree with that. I felt that you know, right when they announced it in 2013. We had a van of seven PJ mega fans come down from the Twin Cities for a great weekend. The first memory was of the insanely long merch line the day before the show. We waited for, I believe, two hours... But the benefit was to get to see Deb's Mila paint their portion of the amazing Rig- Wrigley mural right in front of us. But that merch line was a sign of how big of a deal this show was. We picked up our tickets at Will Call and were immediately met by some dude that offered us $1,000 on the spot for each of our field seats. Of course we declined, but again, another sign that this show was huge. The show itself will always be remembered for the 2 hour and 45 minute rain delay and I think many PJ fans will talk about how that was a highlight that they'll never forget. I don't think I'd use the word highlight. Make no mistake, the weather delay sucked. Whether you were packed like sardines in the concourse or in the stands or just getting drenched with the rain, it was awful. And the entire time we're sitting there thinking how on earth are they going to get back on stage and assume this event we planned for months was going to end after 8 songs. At the time, that was depressing. But of course now, the show went on and the fact that the band played until 2am was legendary. The aftermath of the show was crazy. With train stations that had to wait times well over an hour and limited taxis, I think we walked nearly two miles just to bail out and end up taking a train downtown anyway. 2013 will likely be my most memorable of all the Wrigley shows, just given that the fact it was the first one and just how big of a deal it was, and of course, the legendary weather situation. On to 2016. This was another weekend that really proved how awesome a fan base that Pearl Jam has. So much has already been shared about this, but here are some other things that stood out to me. One thing that hasn't really been mentioned a lot was their tribute to Gord Downey of the Tragically Hip, who played their final ever show that evening. Gord would pass away one year later, and they dedicate light years to him that night. That was a particular memory for me. How much respect they showed Gord, and a band beloved by so many. Also, the wishlist parties at Sluggers were really awesome. It was great to connect with so many in the Pearl Jam community that I'd only ever met on Facebook in the 10 Club forums. We'd also had a PJ fan cruise on Lake Michigan to check out the Chicago architecture the day between the shows. I don't know if you remember this, but there there was a pretty popular picture that went around that had the, the W flag and I think a, a Pearl Jam flag, but it was just a, a bunch of Pearl Jam fans on a, on a big boat. Do you remember that picture? No, I don't remember that. That's cool, though. Yeah, tw- uh, about 200-plus people and uh, said the organizer did an awesome job. The concerts were incredible. I do agree that night two had the better set list, but I feel both nights were full of energy. The 2016 weekend was by far my favorite of the Wrigley concerts. It solidified just how awesome the community of Pearl Jam is. 
I think people really appreciated getting a redux of 2013 with the storm and everyone. The fan base and band made the most of it. Yeah. I wouldn't say appreciate it, but... Uh, you know, it's <laughs> it's like they, 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 they storm through it. They storm through the weather, you know? It's, uh, yeah. it's kind of... It's a it's a badge of honor. It's 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 kind of uh, you know absolutely almost like a, a purple heart for concerts almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, Kirk. Great story. All right. So next up we have Jeffrey Tebow. He says uh, the Cliff Notes version of this story is that this ended up being my oldest daughter's first Pearl Jam show. Initially, the plan was for a nice getaway for the wife and I, and I had even won the hotel package that the Ten Club was offering for the Wrigley show that year. Nice. So we were golden as far as having tickets, travel, and hotels secured. However, we were thrown a wrench late into the game when our, ch- when our child care plan fell through at the last minute, so I had to get crafty and figure out a plan B ASAP. That's when I decided to go to the 10 Club Forum to ask some questions. In the end, I bought a $600 field reserve tickets off of StubHub to ensure we were able to get her on the field with us and made our way to our seats and made sure not to intrude on anyone's space. Matter of fact, the couple we sat next to absolutely adored our daughter and thought it was so cool that we brought her along to the show. Thankfully, our seats were in the shady part of the field, so that tempered how hot it felt that day. The band finally comes on stage and begins their set, and at this point I have no idea that there was a severe weather storm that was threatening the area and the show. After a few songs, I started to hear the faint sounds of thunder off in the distance, and eventually the band addressed the crowd and Ed assured everyone that the storm was expected to pass and all they needed was 30 minutes or so. Hmm. So the band leaves the stage, and the rain eventually comes and pours on us for about 45 minutes to an hour, I think. My daughter absolutely had a blast playing in the rain. As the delay wore on longer, I was actually worried more about my wife wanting to pull the cord than my daughter getting bored. She didn't last till the end of the show, but that's only because my wife was getting tired. So at that point, I walked them out of the ballpark and helped them find an Uber back to the hotel, and I went back in. And thank God I got them out early, as it was miserable enough with me just trying to find a ride back to the hotel after the show. I can't imagine how horrible it would have been had they been with me. So in the end, everything worked out, and now my daughter can proudly say that her first Pearl Jam show was the epic Wrigley Field 2013. Ironically, that day is also the anniversary of my first Pearl Jam show, 7-1992 at Lollapalooza. So that's something that my daughter and I now have in common on the Pearl Jam front. That's great. You know, it, it, it's kind of it, it's kind of cool that she, yeah. yeah, she didn't stay for the whole show, but it's sort of it, it, it's not a lot of people can say that. You know, especially being young and and when she grows up and becomes a bigger Pearl Jam fan and gets into the history of it, she can be like, well, I saw the seven. And if I were in control of things, I would have been I would have been there until 2 a.m. But alas, Mm -hmm. was not. So, yeah, very cool. Yeah. So he moves on to talk about Wrigley 2016 night two says, a great story about this one. For the 2016 tour, my work schedule was pretty hectic with a lot of travel. So leading up to the Wrigley shows, I only had a chance to attend the Tampa show back in April with a friend. As the Wrigley dates got closer, the anticipation for these shows grew. So did my desire to be there. But with decent tickets being hard to come by, I was able to devise a plan to hold a customer appreciation event on the second night. Initially, when I brought up the idea with my work colleagues, it was met with a lukewarm response. Someone even made the comment that they didn't feel that would draw much interest, to which I told them, if we roll with this event, we would likely have, we would more than likely have customers on a standby list. In the end, we decided to secure a suite for the event and hosted about 15 clients, complete with food and booze, and we did have a standby list of clients who wanted to go, along with a couple of my work colleagues, and we had an absolute blast. Unfortunately, since I made this a work event, I didn't get to participate in any of the typical show day festivities as I normally would. However, I knew some friends who flew in to catch both shows, and we texted throughout the day and planned to meet up during the show. During our chatting, they hoped we would get Last Kiss, and loved the song and never seen it live before. Being polite, I told them I hoped they would play it, but in my mind I was thinking I could easily do without that song. (laughs) Oh, come on. It's not that bad. Uh, so I spent the first set in the luxury box with our clients, and it was apparent pretty pretty quickly once the lights went down that I was the resident diehard fan amongst the group, although there were a few others who sang along to a few of the songs. As the main set came to a close, I began texting with my friend to have them join us in the suite, but they thought it would be easier for us to come to where they were sitting as they had a few open seats around them. So as the first encore began, my colleague and I left the suite to go find our friends who were essentially on the other side of the ballpark. 
We made our way down to where they were sitting, and by the time we got to the row and shuffled next to them, imagine the amazement we had once we heard the opening notes to Last Kiss being played. Oh, And yes, amazing. it was a pretty loud sing-along that night. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, great story. Awesome. Thanks, Jeffrey. Thank you so much. And I think that story came from uh, the 10 Club boards on the porch. So thank you very great. much for that. Great. Our last story of the fan mail series comes from, here from Shannon McGooey. It started in early morning in Texas, July 13th, 2013, getting in the town car to the airport so I can land in Chi-Town early enough to throw my luggage in the hotel room and switch my clothes to a Pearl Jam tee, grab a taxi, and go stand in line for merch. I happened to choose the right line. It moved quickly. All my other friends were texting that we haven't moved at all. I met a lot of friends in line. We all became Twitter friends. We were all red tomatoes and for three hours. We have album we have an album where it's all of us, no matter what time of day, you look like a red tomato. I'm finally next in line to get a poster in the merch truck and a woman faints. They stop the line. The line is up uh, lines up against the white barriers in order. The security guard says, everyone stay calm. The merch tent isn't going anywhere. An EMT comes, lays the woman down on the concrete flat. Her friend holds her head. And in 10 minutes, they determine it's heat exhaustion and leave. So does the friend and the woman who fainted. So I go up to get stickers and a t-shirt and I look at the posters. I make the mistake of flipping the corners of the posters so I can see each design. And the guys behind me in line have a fit. Then the nice merch guy says, yeah, that's a no-no, and I laugh. I choose the Cracker Jack while the EMT was accessing the woman who, f- who fainted. The merch truck had been replenished, so they had every poster in stock. The line cheers. I really have no idea what was going on because this was my first Pearl Jam show and first merch line. I find Sluggers after asking everyone on every corner, where, where is Sluggers? I find it just in time because my phone is about to be dead at 4 p.m. Ooh, that's pretty bad. They go a whole night without it. Ooh, that's that's got to suck. And I still have to find my ticket buddy. We're going to pull all four tickets together. My 10 club spare ticket goes to a Canadian woman, and she jumps up and down when I hand her tickets and hugs me. We are right by the kitchen window, which is good because I'm starving. The last thing I ate was breakfast on the plane. Southwest, of course. The preferred airplane of jammers for a low fare sales. We eat and then we leave sluggers to go to another bar where the Canadian jammers are hanging out. My ticket buddy needs to give a sticker to somebody in there. So a Canadian gives me a Canadian sticker for my Wrigley sticker because I knew to buy multiple stick multiples of stickers. Good currency stickers are are something I learned on the Pearl Jam website. I had been on the pit since 2011 and joined 10 Club in 2012. So then we go to line up to get in. We found our seats, and I go get us drinks and a snack. I talk to all the jammers around us. This is going to come in handy when the rain starts. I look over the shoulder of a couple down below me and read the PJ tweets of what might happen when the two cells from, two cells from hell unleash on us. And then when it starts to sprinkle and the three feet green lightning bolts come down, I'm out of there. My friend meets me at the concourse one flight above us. We buy more drinks, and then we just walk around the concourse and sit down to kill the two and a half hours it takes for the cells to leave. I did find at the end of the concourse that the navy blue guitar tee that was sold out everywhere, but I bought the last large. The seven songs we hear before the cells unleash are awesome. Pearl Jam plays Faithful, still my favorite Pearl Jam song. I stand up for that song, which is hard to do because I slashed my right knee at the Indiana airport five layers through May uh, May 2nd, 2012. It's still healing then. I spent the whole Wrigley trip walking on my left side or sitting a lot. Luckily, Wrigley has plenty of places to sit. We hear three songs of Lightning Bolt. I tried to forever for figure out the last verse to future days and can't wait for the album to drop so i could get the lyrics ernie banks starts the second half of the evening of pearl jam i really don't understand the significance of this but i hear banks say let's play too and the crowd cheers and i hear the crowd again when Banks says i'm so proud to welcome you to my house i have no idea where the song all the way came from but i catch on to the chorus the third time around and sing along later i learn how special all this is Okay, let me backtrack. My ticket buddy thinks the rain has stopped good enough to return to our seats by 11.30 p.m. It still sprinkles some on us. I say those tarps aren't taken off by midnight. I'm going back to the hotel. 
So 11.55 p.m., they come off, and I end up staying. We got five minutes, EV says I'm the shortest rocket in the free world ever played. The minute it finishes, we, lo- we leave to walk out of the venue. We see the merch truck with the set list tee, and my buddy says, want to buy them? I say, no, we can buy them on the website because who's going to buy tees at 2 a.m. in the morning? I was right. A week later, I bought the set list tee online at PearlJam.com. I, I, I think those are a pretty tough get now. I think uh, that was the first time they did the set list tee, and now mm. it's, it's, a, it's a hot item. So, yeah, uh, yeah. My friend, her hotel is down the street. I asked the hotel guy which way to go to get to my hotel on Magnificent Mile and points to the left. So I start walking because he told me I can't get a cab. Little do we know, the taxis have gone on strike. Or taking a vacation. I'm not sure which one it was. So I walk two and a half hours back to my hotel with a dead phone and no idea where I am. But 300 of us are all walking the same way. I call it the PJ zombie walk. I asked what poster I have at eight in the morning, uh, at 3 a.m. in the morning. I said, Cracker Jack. The guy offers to buy it for 50 bucks. And I said, no way. I went through hell to get this. I'm... I'm going to sell my Cracker Jack for $700 in 2017 for grocery money when I get into medical debt, and I still want it back. I get to a four-way intersection and say out loud, now what do I do? I'm about in tears at this point. Luckily, a couple in front of me still had their phone on them, and I asked them where my hotel is, and they said we are staying at that same hotel too. So we split a cab. For some reason, one mile from my hotel, the cab picks you up again. Thanks heavens for that couple. So at 4.30 a.m., I'm crawling into bed with my clothes on, and thank God I made it back. And that's why my hotel is always banked up against the venue, so I never have to walk two and a half hours back to the hotel. 2018, I saw that green sign go up and went, nope, and I ran down to the concourse again and planned my exit the minute I found my seat. This time, it's not the two and a half hours, but I have been to ten Pearl Jam concerts by now and meet so all kinds of friends in the concourse at this time. The barbers buy me a beer, and I love their family. We stayed at each other's houses. I would return to get to my seat and get rained on for the next three songs, and this, but this time I have a poncho with me. I took a selfie of me in the rain, catching raindrops on my tongue. Thank you from Shannon in Fort Worth, Texas. Great. Thanks a lot, yeah, thank Shannon. You, Shannon. Yeah, great Lots story. Of stuff there, right? Absolutely. So... That's that's officially it for Wrigley Month, and uh, once again, we just want to thank everybody for writing in to us and sharing your stories, and also, you know, just sharing your love for what we were doing, and we did it because we knew that it would be something that you guys really loved and, and enjoyed, and, and boy, we got a fantastic response from it that we had to do two different episodes just to get it all in. So thank you very much, everybody for, for being a part of it. Yeah. You know, you had, you had your story from 2013. I, I kind of shared my ordeal from 2016 and everything that went around that, but yeah, it was great to kind of fill in the gaps because like, like we always say, like the show is not just about the music. It's about what happens before and after and the people you meet in line and the people you meet at in the in the stand standing around you and it was it was great to kind of fill in all of those little moments it it really made made me feel like i was there again you know it was really great thanks everyone for for sending those in it was really fantastic absolutely and and most of the stories that we told were just that it wasn't like going back and saying oh this song was great and this song was great i mean we do that enough as it is on the show but you guys did a perfect job of filling in all those blanks and getting the real stories the stories of the person sitting up all the way up in the corner in right field or you know sitting uh you know standing right in front of bed like that's that's where it's at and and that's where the passion comes from and and you guys brought it we had i think 38 stories in total 38 people right in so yeah just just fantastic stuff you guys so once again thank you and uh we'll uh, you know i i don't know what the next special month is going to be i think we have something kind of planned for october that we've teased at one point but uh we'll we'll bring it up again at a later date so until then um hopefully you guys have really enjoyed the wrigley stuff if you haven't listened to all the interviews and listened to all the episodes uh go back and check them out because they're fantastic and uh yeah this has just been one of the best months that uh that we've one of the best times that we've had covering pearl jam and covering these shows 
uh, on the pod. So once again, thank you everybody for, uh, for being a part of it. So this may be the end we're here, but not for much longer. And although we may be parting ways, miss you already miss you always for Randy and John and all the voices that you heard us represent in the last two days of shows. We thank you once again for just sharing and being a part of it. And uh, we'll see, we'll see you soon. Wrigley. Thanks everybody. Bye. Love you.